0: Chris,
1: how's it going hey, man? Hey Dan, how you doing, sir? I am I am good. I just got back from a long, uh, fun weekend in the Jersey Shore. Uh, around around my birthday. So that was I was gonna say happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. Um yeah, I, uh, it was a weekend in which I consumed entirely too much beer um, and listened to almost no metal. So um, <laughs> us recording uh, this on you know it's it's Sunday night as we record this, us recording with me being sober and and discussing metal uh, is a, is a, a nice nice change of pace from what I had all weekend. Well, so. good.
0: Well, I I will be your polar opposite as I was also away for the weekend, but I was with dozens and dozens of Italian relatives, and the stress of that has caused me in the time between setup and recording. Uh, drank way too much now that I'm home and back in my comfortable environment. So uh, my intoxication will balance out your sobriety and we should be able to have a good conversation.
1: There we go. There we go. I am very much looking forward to our conversation. Uh, Folks at home, welcome. You're listening to a a special edition of the Nine Circles audio thing. Uh, Chris and I are here uh, to talk about now, now you you may remember a couple weeks ago, Chris uh, and Josh Stewart, uh, our lovely Southern gentleman editor in chief, got together uh, to discuss the 30th anniversary of Slayer's South of Heaven, um, and. He and I are here because we have another very important album getting ready to celebrate its thirtieth anniversary at the end of this week. Um, Chris, what album are we
0: talking about here? Oh my goodness, we are talking about "And Justice for All" by Metallica. Metallica, "And Justice for All," the legendary fourth album
1: from uh, the the I mean the institution of thrash that is Metallica. Uh, a lot of people consider it their their last good album i am not one of those people but for a lot of people it's it's the cutoff point um but yeah it's it's turning 30 years old uh it it's it's got me beat by one year i just turned 29 (laughs) <laughs> um, so, um, I was not around when the album came out, but it has, uh, you know, in the, my, my years of becoming a metalhead, it's become a very important album to me. Um, you have told me numerous times how it's a very important album for you. So very much so. Yeah. So we are just gonna, you know, same kind of setup that, that uh, you and Josh did, uh, with the Slayer album, just gonna wax poetic about this, this important album in our lives, um, so why don't we start off with you, Chris? I mean, we'll 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 talk at length about it, but start off with something basic. How did you come
0: to and Justice for All? Sure, and I'll even preface that by saying I mean, this is of prime importance to me. This is the album more than anything else that moved me to extreme metal. So. Um, I was around when this came out, um, being a child of the 70s and 80s, uh, but uh, my first exposure to Metallica was probably, and I had actually written about this on Nine Circles, I, I did a retrospective when uh, Hardwired to Self-Destruct came out. Uh, my intro to Metallica was probably Master of Puppets, and if I were to actually recall the time and place of its impact on me, I was on the bus going to elementary school, so would have been around 86 uh i was probably 12 or 13 years old and in the back of the bus you had like the metal heads and they used to carry around the boom boxes and i just remember master of puppets playing and being kind of mesmerized by wow what's that you know to a kid at the time who was listening to nothing but docking and and uh hair metal and and things like that this kind of very percussive thrashy beast was new to me. Um, so even though I had heard it and it had made a definite impact on me, never went out and bought it. Uh, the first Metallica album I ever bought was injustice for all. And it was a bet. It was kind of a thing where I had a friend, me and my, my, uh, el- elementary school chum at the time, Ricky Hennessy, we were kind of more into classic rock and the hair stuff. And we wanted to get something that we thought was like heavy, so we said, all right, you know, one of us will go and we'll buy one and we'll sit down in our bedroom and we'll listen to it and we'll see how it affects us. So, since I had the spare money, I, I had some allowance money. I went, I picked up And Justice for All. Uh, got the cassette, sat down with Ricky in our bedroom and we turned it on. And within three minutes, maybe of blackened, he was like, oh no, this is not for me. And within three <laughs> minutes I was like, oh dear God, this is so much for me. I have turned a corner that I did not even know exist. I, I mean, having heard metal, having heard master of puppets, having heard some slightly heavier stuff, uh, and justice for all 100% turned me on to a corner of more heavy extreme music absolutely it, it's my touchstone for this type of stuff
1: awesome awesome before we get further into that i have to ask because uh because you mentioned this as you know what you were into before finding this album what's your favorite docking record
0: oh man i mean if it's not tooth and nail what else can it be see I'm tooth an, and I'm, nail tooth and nail maybe is, tooth and nail maybe. is great <laughs> i'm an, I'm an under lock and key guy myself Underlock lock and key was probably the first one I owned. Uh, and it was that sense of just, it was, it was beautiful. They looked really good. I thought they looked like they could get any girl on the planet, which at the time was something of prime importance to me. Uh, but when I kind of went back between tooth and nail and then back for the attack, right back for the attack, I think was 87. Yeah. Uh, cause that had the dream warriors. So it had the nightmare on Elm street connection and things like that. Uh, those are both two killer records. I think under lock and key is still a really good record. Um, what's the last song on that album um end of the world until the end of the world something like that
1: yeah something like that it is i'm looking now uh
0: till the living end till the living end killer track that is still a kick-ass track to this day yeah for those of you that mock docking i urge you to go and check out till the living end it is a very good song
1: george lynch in particular i have to single him out george lynch is a manimal on guitar um but anyway, this is not a docking Chat. This is a Metallica Chat. So that, no, was, that can... was my
0: my little aside. Um, <laughs> we have to save that for the inevitable docking Chat because I have a whole thing about George Lynch <laughs> and his amazing ability to kind of go beyond any type of technique and just be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I never know what the hell he's doing, but he sounds fantastic and magnificent every time he plays.
1: I I, I like to say I like to say when 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 I think of George Lynch, um, all of the acclaim and the hero worship and the like godlike status that slash has achieved. I think George Lynch is of the same ilk but actually deserves that level of acclaim. I and I'm not trying to take anything away from slash, but I think like stylistically like to me at least to my ears, Lynch is just What Slash is doing, but on steroids, 90 (laughs) miles an hour, just, you know, in every possible direction, faster, better. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm with
0: you on on that. Slash is, to me, all tone. He is the king of tone. I don't know anyone can get the tone that he gets, but Lynch is just, uh, man, we are not talking about Metallica. (laughs) No, no. But Lynch is just another level entirely for me. Yeah. Dude's a beast.
1: Yeah. Um, Bringing it back to... And Justice For All, though. I Now, I came into this much later, uh, obviously. <laughs>
0: um, uh, yeah, so how, so how did you come into Metallica at all? I mean, because, again, 29 years old, you were not alive when this album came out. So no. What was your inroad to Metallica and then from there into Injustice For All?
1: I had in middle school uh, a friend named Sterling Moore... Who was a Metallica obsessive? Had every album, um, was so obsessive that he, <laughs> when it came out, vehemently uh, defended Saint Anger uh, against all the older kids who were like ripping on it and stuff. Like kids like two, three years older in our K through 12 school who were saying this is, you know, a dog shit album. He was, he was that much of a Metallica devotee that he you know, was, was here for St. Anger then. And presumably now I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, and he, you know, I, we were, we were, we were buddies and he just sort of started playing stuff for me. And, and, you know, I also listened to, dc alternative rock radio that you know what started as alternative rock but was just you know kind of became just a modge podge of all things rock and you know so i had heard half the songs on the black album i knew enter sandman all the pump up stuff and that i think it was the summer before maybe eighth grade i started digging into older metallica because that stuff wasn't played on the radio as much um started with started with master of puppets um burned a cd that i hadn't figured out how to set up my computer to correct for little nicks in the cd i burned a cd from the library that you know so when i burned it it came out there were like little skips here and there but i that was my exposure to master of puppets i think from there i got Kill 'em all and found my way to and justice for all Uh, third of the the original four albums the big four albums um and i found my way to it through the music video for one um which i know a lot of people at the time were sort of you know that was the the first cries of sellout were you know beginning to be heard there they were they were very much an underground band and this was you know moving toward uh mainstreamification of metallica the fact that they you know shock horror they were making a music video i loved i love the video i love the song um that that solo as a young uh aspiring metal guitar player you know kirk's finger tapped crazy solo uh just blew my then 14 year old mind and uh you know, from there, I was just, I was hooked. I went out and bought the CD and uh, probably, I think I may still have it, but I, I don't know if it will actually play because I got so much mileage out of it back then. So, yeah, um, it's its a gem. I think, I think, depending on the day, it's either my second or third favorite Metallica album.
0: I get you. So... I, 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 I got to respond to a few of that. So sure. the one video, I, I, I am with it. it is fantastic. But it, having been there at the time that it premiered and having been around a lot beforehand, w- when that video came out, I mean, you have to remember that that was Metallica's first video. Right. They never did anything before that. And I, I could hear cries of sellout for a lot of the stuff that came once we got to load and reload and all that memory remains and you know all that stuff but at that time people were not making videos that were long form seven and a half minute narratives that were uncut i mean typically when you were doing videos if it was a long track on the album you were generally doing some type of single edit for the video Metallica well, I think they, did none of that, right? I
1: I thought, and I might be wrong here, but I thought they did. Didn't they do a
0: long form video and a single edit video? They they, did they two may versions? have, or or I, I think what wound up happening was a single edit version came later. Okay, but the original, which was all written from, it was all stripped from Johnny Get Your Gun, right? The the mm-hmm. the, the film based on the Dalton Trumbo novel. I mean, at the time when that premiered, that was seven and a half minutes long. I mean, and that was. nothing that no one had did so and and people were mesmerized at 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 that time and I mean rightfully so just kind of seeing stuff like the tapping solo that that Hammett does that double kick bridge where they just jump into all that I see absolute horror I cannot I mean that was just such a killer moment just on music and on film that that was a game-changing video. Yeah. You could, I, I, I think what came after that could maybe be capitalization on on, on something that was so thing, but but that, that first video was just so primal and just so, if you were going to do something visual, you could not have done a better job of encapsulating Metallica at a time than just, how they made that video it's it's just fantastic to this day it's still something that i love and one is still a song that i love to this day
1: yeah yeah i you actually you something you mentioned in that in that analysis the the um all that i see absolute horror like that part of the song on the video when you just see them there head banging like crazy i'd like that <laughs> God damn it. I think that was actually when I started growing my hair out. And I had, I had, I grew my hair out from like, I want to say midway through, uh, it was, it was like ninth grade through midway through 10th grade. And it got to my that shoulders. Song, and <laughs> that
0: song and that break in particular probably caused the growth of the hair of thousands of kids. Yeah, you know, I just between wanted the to ages do of that. 13 and 18. <laughs> I wanted to do
1: that. I wanted to film myself doing that and
0: <laughs> looking maybe
1: a fraction as badass as they
0: did. But yeah, uh, it's just so, so great on 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 the Pantheon. If we're, if we're talking about I mean, now it's it's probably if it's not my favorite Metallica just from a I, I, I will not claim it is the best Metallica album uh, to there. I probably have to give it to Master of Puppets but it's probably my favorite Metallica. Um, I have a real soft spot for Kill em All, just for the punky thrash of how that album goes. Um, but this might be my favorite, might be my favorite record from them. I go, see, I am, I'm a
1: Ride the Lightning fan, um, which was interesting because that took me the longest to come around to. Initially, I wasn't nuts on the production, um, but... Gradually, I started not paying attention to that as much and I just realized you know the songs on that album were so freaking incredible um, you know, front to back. You know, this or master of puppets is is two three. like I, I swap them constantly. I can't I can't yeah. decide which one I like more. Um, master, I think has Master has a better production, of course. Master, I think the highs might be higher. But there are also a couple songs that have just never really done much for me. Uh, whereas this one, you know, the production, "No Justice for Jason" um, and "Justice for All Except Jason," <laughs> um, and you know, and then this one does does have a couple that you know I I kind of you know I can I can skip over. But um, mm. but yeah, they're they're both like pretty much the same level for me. And then I would say I would say kill them all at at four, but we're, we're, we're talking early Metallica. We're picking nits here. I mean, they're, they're just, they were, they were, those first four albums are just, you know, what can you say about them at this
0: point? That hasn't already been said a thousand times. So, so that's a, so you bring up a good segue. Let's talk about the no justice for Jason. Yes. (laughs) Let's, let's get into that because I, I, I have a definite view of it. I, I love Jason Newstead. Uh, I, the first Metallica concert I've seen Metallica probably six or seven times at this point but the very first time I saw Metallica live was for the injustice for all album um, and it was it, again just a mind-blowing experience to a kid you know not having been weaned on that type of music to see that experience live with the toppling statues and the fire and everything that that came out and um, I've heard and read a lot about the controversy around the mix, and so I kind of have to put it in its place, right? So at the time, right, so this is the first, I guess, full length after Cliff Burton kind of passed. I I know there was the 598 EP, which is all the covers, but I, I have to imagine that at this point, just they're in a weird place. This is by far their most progressive album. It sounds unlike... Anything that came before or anything that came after, I, I, I think you can say the same for St. Anger, right? for better or for worse, but nothing sounds in their discography like And Justice for All. And I, I, I think that was a very uh, premeditated uh, idea for them. Uh, would it sound better with bass? I don't know. You know, I did a lot of listening over the past couple of weeks because we were prepping for this. Um, I listen to a lot of the live tracks, especially the, uh, um, I'm going to probably screw this up, but the binge shit and purge. Yeah. Live, live compilation. Shit, purge. <laughs> li- yeah, exactly. I listen to a lot of that. Listen to a lot of just, just kind of on YouTube live tracks. Uh, he's definitely not as buried in the mix when it comes to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that this album would be better with the mix better. I, I mean, it, it is what it is, and it has such a unique sound that doesn't sound like anything else of its time or, or later. That to kind of keep having this cry of, oh, there's, there's no bass, it sucks, it'd be better if Jason had bass. That's not the album that we've listened to for 30-plus years. And to hear it with bass, for me, it just kind of... It would have been great if it was there. It's not there. And I think the fact that the bass is so buried in this mix is part of what makes this album sound as unique as it does as a, as well as a couple other things that we'll talk about later, but just the mix of this album makes this album what it is to me always has.
1: I think, I think that's fair. And I, I agree with you. It, it, it is very unique among, you know, certainly among Metallica's catalog, but also among metal of that era, uh, sonically. Um, I, I don't think it sucks. I, in fact, it took me for, you know, until I heard those random, you know, I I don't even know what YouTube user it is. I'm sure there are two or three by now out there that did a, you know, a remastered version of you know the justice for jason version that well like a reimagined version yeah reimagined version um (laughs) until i first came across those i was totally fine with it you know i i didn't know half as much as i do now when when i first heard the album i didn't know half as much as i do now about production about sound uh and i still don't know what's on now but i i'm thinking like oh no they just that that's just like they just scooped their guitars and they made them sound you know just that that kind of ultra thin, distorted kind of thing. That was, that was just, you know, the, the style. I, I wasn't even paying attention to the bass because I was playing guitar at the time. And that was, you know, I was a guitar player, but then, yeah. you know, I, was, and so, so for a while it was a non-existent issue for me. And then as soon as I heard the, the imagined version, the, the updated version, um, it was, it was like, Oh, holy shit. Where has this been all my life? <laughs> I don't know it it it's is it as unique with bass? No, but I, I think um, there's something about as, and especially I mean you hear it you hear it on the first track um, on blackened. I think there's something like when that riff comes in, there's something about having a low rumbling corresponding part to that you know like there's something about having bass. Playing along with that, that I just think makes that that makes that song hit that much harder, that much more devastating. Um, that's just me. I don't know.
0: Well, it makes it it makes it fuller. I mean, it is certainly a fuller, more robust sound with that. But the thing that's always taken me about "And for All" is how sterile and cold and angry it sounds with the mix that it has yeah uh it it is an angry album it is to me it's their angriest album because it is just so flat and it doesn't have that round full robust sound that it would if burton were playing i mean because that dude was just a phenomenal groove player or if Jason played on the other albums right because i mean y- you go from here to the black album where the bass is much more present and it's just so loud and so full and so robust but there's just something about this that's just it's so it's such a fuck you album that it's just we don't care we're going to do this fucking thing and it's going to sound flat and nasty and it's 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 just there's just there's just a quality there that is That just speaks to me in a way that hearing the kind of and Jason for all bass thing, I dig it. But at the same time, it it loses a little bit of that evil kind of just hatred that this album has. I I don't know that there's an album that has as much hate in their discography as this one does. And, And that was something that, especially as a kid, drew me to this more than any of their other albums.
1: Well, I, I think I think you're absolutely right about that in terms of the amount of hate on this album, um, both both lyrically. I mean, you, you you have the band jumping into really like complex issues, uh, the environment, into uh, politics, into war. Um, you know, James Hetfield rally, railing against his parents and Dyer's Eve. Um, you name it. Um, I think you know it's also. I don't know if I'd call this hate, but, you know, like you said, coming off the loss of Cliff Burton, um, there are going to be some strong emotions there. Um, I think I personally, I I, I don't know, is is saying fuck you to everyone, including your new bass player, (laughs) because you're upset that the old one died. (laughs) Hey, welcome to the band. You don't exist. Like, I don't know. It seems like maybe not the most constructive way to cope, but I don't know. I don't know. That's not for me to say I wasn't going through what they were going through. (laughs) I them just I, I i don't know we 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 disagree and we agree to disagree this is this is fine I, it's not a problem but it is it is it is certainly a shitty way to
0: act to your new bass player <laughs> without a doubt uh and just the fact that Newstead kind of was able to rise above that and just make so much great music per, for so long i was a huge fan of his solo album when the solo album came out yeah but uh <laughs> there's just <laughs> <laughs> just uh just to your point i i mean it it, it is a it is an angry album and and it just the, it, it, again it, it's certainly a personal thing but i think at the time for me that was what i wanted out of that album because it just was so different and, and i mean there were other factors that contributed to that i mean We'll have, have to talk about the the whole pattern of how Metallica sequences their their albums, but uh, holy crap, Dire's Eve. I mean, you, you know, from, from Masters of Puppets to go from the instrumental to the super fast kind of Blitzkrieg song, uh, which they've done a number of times, but uh, Dire's Eve to me, I, I mean, it tops Damage Incorporated. It is as huge of a fan as I am of, um, hardwired to self-destruct. It was my number four album of the year when it came out. Um, Dyer's Eve is just the, it's the, all the piss and vinegar and anger that they've ever done. Just encapsulated in four and a half minutes of, of fury yeah. to me. I, I, I love it to know it.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're on it right now. Um, we're we're on <laughs> on the topic of Dyer's Eve. Why don't we Why don't we go backwards, on uh, <laughs> in our track by track section? Why the fuck not? <laughs> sure. We're on Dyer's Eve. We're on Dyer's Eve. It's an unquestionable <laughs> highlight of the album. Um, I aside from you know as as I said aside from my personal introduction to the song one, um, which I don't even think is still my favorite uh, on the album, but because it brought me to the album is, is always going to have a special place in my heart. Um, I, I, you know, aside from that, I think this is one of the, you know, the two or three songs I think of first, um, yeah. when I, when I think of and justice for all, um, it's just, it's, you know, it's like, like you, I think you said it best. It's pure anger. It's piss and vinegar. It's, um, James Hetfield howling at the moon. Um, (laughs) Yeah,
0: I, I mean lyrically, lyrically more than anything else, this is the album that does it to to me. I mean, what kid wasn't disaffected in their youth? And to hear this song that just is a rallying cry of hate to their parents. You know, dear mother, dear father, what does this hell you have put me through? It's just. Even if you had a good childhood, which I certainly did, you know, there's just this, there's this rage and, and vitriol that he gets out That is, it's just unbelievable. It is, it is just an, an onslaught. And if we're going backwards, so I'll kind of go the complete opposite to live and to die, which is the instrumental for this one is, uh, f- at least for me, the weakest track on the album and the one that I am apt to skip. When we go through all the instrumentals that Metallica have put out, they put out some killer ones and they've put out some ones that maybe are not so killer. This is uh, one of the ones that I can give or take. Take or I, I am with you
1: hundred percent. I think of, you know, the album before you had Orion, um, the album before that you had the call of Cthulhu. Right. Um, even, even on um Kill 'em all. You had uh, the, the cliff bass solo. Um, what the hell is it called? Um, Anastasia. Oh, anesthesia yeah um yeah i i i I think i would rank all of those ahead of ahead of this i agree Um, yeah yeah it's 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 again it's not terrible but it's you know in in the grand scheme of things i'm prone to you know give it a pass so (laughs) so we're gonna move on um in in our reverse order, um, I'm gonna do this one as a two for uh, a twofer because I think these next two in reverse order, the freight ends of sanity and harvester of sorrow, are probably like in my book the most underrated on the album. Um, and I don't know if they're really underrated so much as. You know, they, they they just they weren't singles. People tend to think of Blackened and Dyer's Eve and one and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um Freight Ends of Sanity was never played live until 2014, so you know, underrated in that sense. But goddamn, that one-two punch is just fucking phenomenal.
0: It is. And for me, Freight Ends of Sanity was an instant love. When I had first heard it, if for nothing else than just for that kind of intro with, oh, wee oh, I mean, that was something mm-hmm. that every kid could kind of cling to. Um, 30 years later, I still enjoy it. It's not something that I, I mean, it's certainly lower on the spectrum than, for me, every other song that comes before it. Um, Harvester of Sorrow, on the other hand, was a song that did not immediately grab me when I had first heard it. But on subsequent listens, and especially now, it is, it is with the shortest straw to me, two of the standout tracks that don't get nearly enough mention. Uh, it's just so somber and just so punishing, with that that just that amazing chorus, a harvester of of, of sorrow, language of the damned. It, it's just that that solo guitar that kind of plays over it uh which i always thought was bass until i saw that james hatfield played it when i saw it live it's it's just a killer song and it has just risen in estimation every year that i've heard it since it's come out
1: i just i just love that fucking riff Uh, like oh my god such a groove to it. It's, oh, it's fantastic.
0: And again, like it was like nothing that came before it. I mean, as a progressive album, this thing does not get its due. Every song just goes, there has to be, I, I mean, and you and I have written songs, so we know, you know, there are certain riffs and sections that you do, but I mean, you know, maybe two or three or, or, or four or five, if you're getting frisky, but I mean, there is just riff after riff after riff on every single fucking song on this album. And it is, it just doesn't end. It's yeah. just, it's fantastic
1: it it keeps it keeps coming it keeps blowing your mind <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's tremendous it's tremendous that's all i can say um <laughs> shortest straw see shortest straw is an interesting one cuz you mentioned you mentioned that one as um in your in your book one that doesn't get enough love i enjoy shortest straw i have never i've never enjoyed it as much as some of the others on the album um i i, I think Maybe that is because the refrain on it, um, the refrain on it isn't as sort of immediately hooky. Hmm. Hooky is not the right word, Um, but, you know, you you think of you think of Harvester of Sorrow, that that refrain, you know, as you mentioned, Harvester of Sorrow, Language of the Damned, you know, you you remember it Um, blackened. You remember that chorus. Um, this one, it's just like, "Oh, shortest straw, shortest straw has been pulled for you." I'm like, but then it goes
0: to that. Oh. Dance, so here's where I I think the way that we're talking about these songs does this song a bit of a disservice because if you go through sequencing, right, this song comes immediately after one, so you have the kind of full flow of one where we have acoustic to heavy to back and it kind of lives this entire life lifeline of a song. Um Harvester of Sorrow, uh which is the other piece of bread in this Metallica sandwich, uh is very somber and it's probably the most doom laden song on the album. And then the shortest draw, six and a half minutes long, it's just the kind of I, I I think of it as the palate cleanser from one. It's just mean and angry and gets in your face. Uh, And it's fast, and it's a little punky, and it's a little just fucking bruiser of a song that just kind of whets the appetite for the more kind of somber, slow, mid-paced doom of Harvester of Sorrow. So from a sequencing perspective, I think it's brilliant. And just it seems to be the one that I've been coming to more and more. I I think because like a lot of people, whether you want to admit it or, or not, we don't all have the attention spans we used to so we're so much more familiar with the front half of songs than we are the front half of albums than we are with the back half of albums so everybody and their mother I mean, my mother knows intimately Black End and Justice for All, i the Beholder, and One. Because when we would go shopping, I'd play it in the car and make her listen to it constantly. We never <laughs> got to the shortest draw because the store was always, you know, there before that song came on. <laughs> so now that I'm a little older and I'm a little slower and I'm a little foggier, you know, I, I, I take my time. And the, the shortest draw just for me is that kind of, yeah, we are in the fucking second half of this album and we are just going to go for broke yeah uh and that's why i love it like i do that's fair
1: that's that's totally fair and, and um yeah i now now that I, I think about it i you know you are you are 100 percent right about us <laughs> us doing <laughs> a, a disservice to the album um via the you know the the sequencing of our reviews here but um
0: <laughs> we are nothing if not punk in our uh, attempt to do this album yeah. so who cares well hey
1: but as as you said it's an angry fuck you album and we're uh and I don't know. I'm not angry, but we're a kind of fuck you podcast, maybe. <laughs> kind of. I don't know. I'm um, generally
0: happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, like, like, like I said, I don't hate any song on this album. I don't really even dislike any song on this album. I just hold some in higher yeah. estimation than others. And this is, this is not one of those, <laughs> So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but moving on from here, I mean, now, you know, we're getting into, um, you know, well, for us it's the late going, but for you know any normal person it's the early, the early to mid going of the album <laughs> into one. Um, as I said before, my introduction to and Justice for All and um, Metallica's introduction to music video making and to um, you know I, uh, going mainstream, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's tremendous. It's it's not you know, it's not my favorite Kirk Hammett guitar solo, even though at the time I was like and exploding <laughs> over it when all I wanted to do is shred and do crazy things on guitar. Um, but it's as a song, it's just it's fucking great, man.
0: It's still great. So it, the only thing I'll, I'll say about it isn't I love this song. I was driving home uh, today from the Catskills with my wife and son about a two and a half, three hour drive. So we had the, the the, uh, Spotify kind of had a playlist on random and stairway to heaven came on. Okay. Which I know has nothing to do with one, but hear me out for a second. Uh, No song in Led Zeppelin's discography is probably as well known or as played as stairway to heaven to the point where they make jokes about it all the time. Right. Wayne's world, Wayne's about to play the guitar in the guitar shop. No Stairway to Heaven here. You know, you can't right. play that iconic riff. Uh, so, and I even I admit, it's not... Let's On 4 is not the album that I've gone to time and time again for a long time. So it's been a while since I've heard Stairway to Heaven. We're driving and we're on the highway and the song comes on. We're listening to it. It's a seven and a half minute song. Eight, eight minute song, I, I think. And I look to my wife. And I'm like, you know what? God damn, this is a good fucking song. <laughs> my wife looks at me. She's like, yeah, I haven't heard this in forever, but... God damn, this is good. That is one. That is one in a nutshell. If you have not heard it in years because it's overplayed and it's the video and Metallica sold out, blah, 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 fucking sit down in the middle of the highway when you're in traffic and have that goddamn song come on again. It is fucking great. It is great from. Hammett soloing, to the way that Lars Ulrich plays drums, to the way that uh, Hetfield is able to kind of take that book and encapsulate it into an experience that only lasts about seven and a half minutes. Just everything about that song fucking hits. The structure of it, the way that it's written out, the way that it kind of goes in peaks and valleys and has it its, its moment where it gets in your face crazy insane and then kind of ebbs out again it is just, it is a Fucking great song. It is. And it is worth every accolade that has been
1: showered upon. There are some songs that I, I I think of, I think when I think of overplayed songs, I kinda I kinda think that there are two types of overplayed songs. And I'm actually I'm gonna use Iron Maiden as the example of this because um, they have two that fit neatly into either type. There are okay. there's the type of overplayed song that is played a whole shit ton and when you listen to it you feel you physically feel you're like oh yeah i've heard this a whole fuck ton of times uh for me the the, the two songs i'm thinking of are on the same album um okay. on the number of the beast and for me the song that 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 fits into that category is run to the hills um
0: <laughs> i am 100%
1: with you one of the singles um it's the look like i get it it's a classic i still love it but i if it comes on, I'm just like, oh, this again, you know. <laughs> whereas, whereas on the other side, you have songs that are overplayed but still fucking destroy whenever you hear them and still still hit you. And for me, so which one? The Number of the Beast, of course. Like the Great you song. know the two singles on that album, both you know the 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 song. I mean, the songs that not metalheads. Metalheads think of how would be that name, but but casual you know mainstream people that have heard of iron maiden think of those two songs they think of the number of the beast and they think of run to the hills and and they just you know they have opposite effects on me um so all that that you know (laughs) tangential intro aside one is one fits in the latter category for me it is you know it's it's played so much but god damn it it's still fucking great every time i hear it
0: so we are of the same opinion. One is essentially Number of the Beast. Yes. Okay. And it's certainly not Gangland. Because does anyone think of Gangland at this point from Number Dude, of the Beast? Dude,
1: I fucking love Gangland. <laughs> it's, it's a good song. I love Gangland. There, I See, I thought I, I, I would make the case that Number of the Beast before the 1998 remaster that added Total Eclipse. Um, Number of the Beast is a perfect album. Perfect. <laughs> Um, I don't even think "Total Eclipse" is a bad song. I just think the way they sequenced it—they stuck it between "Gangland" and "Hallowed Be Thy Name"—doesn't yeah. doesn't work for me. Um, but yeah, I,
0: I, I, I will defend. I will defend "Gangland" until I die. I love that. I love that <laughs> song. All right. So, notes for future podcasts: We're doing the anniversaries for "Under Lock and Key," and we're also doing the anniversary for "Number of the Beast."
1: I know. We, we just missed a good. We missed a great one because it turned thirty-five last year.
0: We're uh, oh, we gonna wait five years. Are we gonna be? able are we gonna be doing this in five if years? If this we'll blog and out.
1: podcast are still going in five years, it'll it'll be a small miracle.
0: Um, we are doing well, it, but if it does, we are doing Number of the Beast. Count on. Oh, it. for sure, for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, so where are we? Back to back to Metallica. Um,
1: we are moving on to I Have the Holder, which is one that I have actually kind of evolved on over the years. Um, I started off. Freaking loving this song, um, I the the intro, the the sort of fade in intro, um, the riff that they play in the intro. I think I still think the solo yeah. the solo section is fantastic, um, but as I've gone on and as I'm you know more I'm further removed from my you know initial exposure to this album, it's not doing it for me as much. Um, I the the parts feel. The parts of the song don't feel like they seg quite as naturally into each other as some of the other songs do on the album. Um, I still like, like I said, I still like it, but it's definitely not as uh, high on my
0: list as it was originally. 100% with you on that. It's the same for me. It was probably an early favorite when I first heard the album, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially because at the time for me, What I was looking for was just that great kind of e-chug. That is such a great riff. Uh, And even now the chorus I still really like, but it has definitely faded for me. I I think it's placement again. If we talk about sequencing for a second, Eye the Beholder, uh, um, it's a little bit of a, hey, you just heard Injustice for All, which is a fucking long twisted prog just a hundred section song let's give you something that's a little bit easier to to ingest really simple riff right it's all that that kind of e-chug and uh uh it's got a great chorus um but it doesn't really do a whole lot it just kind of stays in its one lane uh, it, it owns that lane, but it doesn't really get as twisty or turvy or curvy as anything else on the album. Uh, it's a good solid third track. You know, if you think about sequencing the eighties, right. Uh, it's tracks two and three were like you're kind of hit songs there yeah. and, uh, it, it made sense for where it was, but it definitely didn't age over time to the, to the fine wine that some of the other tracks have. Sure sure um i I,
1: you know the 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 one part the one part that stands out as a highlight for me is um i don't even i don't know if you would call this a verse or a pre-chorus or a post-chorus or whatever the hell it is because these parts do not fit these songs do not fit typical song structure conventions um the independence limited freedom of choice yep. is made for you my friend that part um still fucking love it um and that's the part yep. that's the part that they solo over um i believe yeah it is it is that <laughs> no, i'm thinking about it. yeah um it's yeah I, I i still i still get a kick out of that part but yeah it, it's not it just in comparison to the achievements that you know they they hit on some of these other tracks. It's just it it, it feels a little lesser now. Now that I've had more time to reflect on it. But uh, agreed. Yeah. Um, so from here we go into the title track, uh, song number two, but our, our penultimate <laughs> track for <laughs> discussion here. I don't know why the fuck we did this. <laughs> I don't know what was going through my head, but um, okay, whatever. Um, and justice for all, the song. Um, what do you think?
0: Ah, I love it. Uh, it, it, I mean, if we're going in, if we're going in reverse order, it has the benefit of, I'll say it right now. The first two tracks are just, they're so good that, I mean, they're probably right now, my two favorite tracks, you there's, it, it's, it's huge. It's, it's spiraling. It just does so many different things. And justice for all as a song is it's, it's the epic front loaded onto the front of the album.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's it's a, a
1: it's a heavy hitter. I mean, to to call it a heavy hitter doesn't even do it justice. Um, <laughs> justice. Um, hi ah, oh,
0: I'm, we are so clever. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm prepping prepping my prepping my dad jokes for if and when I I have children in my future. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's it's certainly for me. It's it's. Uh, one of the one of the most one of the more progressive uh, on a on a heavily progressive album. One of the more progressive songs, um, and but it doesn't it, it throughout its nine minutes and forty seven seconds of runtime. It it just it holds you. It you know it, it, all the twists and turns they do come off so tastefully, and it it just
0: everything everything works. It's yeah. it's fantastic, and it shares something with with Blackened, which you know we're going to talk about it in a second, but. There's a whole sense of and and you're familiar with this because you write music, but um, there's in every song, especially when it comes to metal, there is setup, right so um, you can think of it as the music before the lyrics start. you can think of it at, at any way you like, but there is a prelude, a mood builder, a something to get you to where you need to be, so that when you know the main section hits or that first verse hits you are in the headspace that the band wants you to be in when the song kicks in. Uh, and both Blackened and, and Justice for All have fairly lengthy kind of intros before the lyrics kick in. And both of them, you know... In a world where a lot of people will vouch for, you know, concise is key, you know, get in, get out, grindcore, you're in 30 seconds, right. I have a whole song, <laughs> right? A minute and a half, I have a whole song. Um, there can be a danger of kind of wallowing too deep in the muck when you have these nine and a half, eight and a half minute songs. Uh, but what Metallica does, especially, and on Justice for All, which I think is the longest track on the album, I mean, give or take the the instrumental, which we've already said is our least favorite, uh, and just as for all kind of with its kind of beautiful, clean guitar intro, picking off the main melody lines before it really gets into the crux of the song, it puts you in the mind space that the band wants you to be in when that song kicks off. And it's the same thing with blacken So I, I think it's a brilliant use of song structure from them that they work really hard and they'll spend one to two or even two and a half minutes before getting into the part where you where you chant along and you know kind of bang your fist to get you in the headspace that they particularly want you to be at and i i, I think and justice for all is a masterstroke. yeah i think of
1: something that i forget exactly who i it may have been joseph schaefer from uh from former, formerly of Invisible Oranges, currently of Decibel, but it may not have been. But I, as you know, a couple weeks ago when I uh, I was I was you know manning the the Nine Circles Twitter, uh, which I sometimes do, uh, despite every possible instinct in my body telling me that I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> I, I, he was me. he was talking to some I, I, whoever whoever this was uh, we'll call it maybe Joseph uh, maybe Joseph was <laughs> was defending ghost uh, to somebody uh, obviously not not anything remotely similar to what we have here but he was defending ghost in the uh, someone was pick, poking fun at him and blah 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 it's like it's not it's, you know metal has come so far forward you know why are they you know the, the, whoever he was talking to it was metal has come so far forward why are they being regressive like this blah 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 and. He, his response was, yeah, but they can write songs. They can write pure fucking songs. Uh, a lot of bands, you know, despite the genre having moved forward technical, you know, from a technical standpoint, from a, you know, you know, just a, a heaviness standpoint, um, there are a lot of bands out there that can't really write memorable songs, um, and, and, you know, that, that, can, that can impress you with their songwriting and that can, you know, take you on an 11-minute folk black metal odyssey and, and wow you in the moment, but, but kind of get lost in the shuffle. Um, yeah. And so I bring this up because I think, you know, And Justice For All, the song, is a long song. It's a progressive song. It's a forward-thinking song. It takes its twists and turns. It's progressive. But at the same time, it is a song. It is a memorable song. Through and through, um, and that stands out to me. And that I, I don't think I don't think we give bands enough. Whether it's whether it's Ghost or Metallica, uh, I don't think we give bands enough credit for being able to write memorable songs.
0: Hundred percent. We we I and I don't even know what it means that we've metal has progressed past that point. I I don't know that I get that. Uh, but okay, I'll uh, we'll go for it. But there's there's so much to be said for yeah to being able to write a song to being able to write something that has a beginning a middle and an end that is coherent despite how dissonant the music may be I mean you, you bands like Dark Throne are able to do it bands like Imperial triumphant that we just talked about are able to be as chaotic and dissonant as possible but still have a full arc in their song structure and that is, not to be ignored and, and 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 not to be disavowed when you're talking about stuff like Metallica in the '80s, who came kind of fully formed to be able to do that as early as Kill 'Em All, and just to see kind of the the progression from short, punchy, you know, three and a half, four minute new wave of British heavy metal thrash kind of anthems to this really long progressive no one else is writing shit like this in 89 you know 88 89 epics like and justice for all it 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 just needs to be kind of put in its place as guys this is what got us to where we are shit like this and it should be commended hey at this point we lost uh internet so we're just gonna assume everything chris said made sense and uh we'll just jump on. unless you have anything any any final thoughts you want to say for injustice and then we'll just jump into the next
1: well that not so much injustice but more um more the just the concept of a a memorable song um you you had started talking about um before we, before we got cut off, you had started talking about Imperial Triumphant and stuff like that. And I think I would absolutely consider those memorable songs. Um, I, I, a memorable song does not necessarily mean an earworm to me, but, but something that's that's gonna yeah. stick with you. I think, um, <laughs> you know, um, the, I, I, the, the first thing that came to my mind was um, that one song from the Satyricon album last year from Deep Calleth Upon Deep, um, Dissonant the like that not an earworm at all not a not a pop song but goddamn, is that thing gonna stick with me it's still i I still remember the first time i listened to it you know it's um so something like something like that um just just there's i I guess to me i would define memorable as you know something where just it's just anything that you you don't lose in the shuffle of the probably hundreds of songs we listen to per month thousands even yeah. <laughs> so you know that you can still pick out and come back to and be be wowed by in the face of all that so that's all i got um it's you know it's uh it's a, a, a tricky tricky uh line to walk but metallica pretty much nailed that on on the title track here so uh, yeah. We'll move on to our final track, uh, the f- lead-off track of the album. Um, I would probably say my favorite song on the album. Uh, if I, if I, and and and, and <laughs> let's let's keep going with the preface. Probably for me, a top five Metallica song ever, "Blackened." Um,
0: I will agree with you one hundred percent. Probably my favorite track on the album. God
1: damn, it's just so oh, everything. Everything about this. Everything about this song just works. Just, just, just yep. works and just kicks your ass. Um, it's that 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 main riff, which is sneaky, sneaky, technical, sneaky progressive. Um, it's it's you know the 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 chorus is probably the most memorable on the album. The solo section is just chaotic and wonderful. Um, I I just I when I think of and justice for all, I think of I think of this song as much as everything else uh, on the album kicks ass like this is the one you know if if someone were to ask me tell me about injustice for all i'd be like listen to blackened
0: yep uh, good a good enough song that uh between the Barrett and me covered it on their covers album so if you're into that that there's your bona fides right there uh, I, it's my favorite as well and it gives me the opportunity to talk about the one topic that we did not discuss yet on this podcast and that is Lars drumming okay this was uh and i am not going to bag on lars's drumming at all in fact quite the opposite and justice for all and blackened for me was the first time i recall so 1988 i was again i was probably 14 or 15 at this point uh this was the first time for me i had heard drumming that was not simply keeping the backbeat this was the first time that at least for me drumming was an integral part of the songwriting and it stood out on its own apart from the guitars, apart from the bass, apart from the singing. It was its own beast. Uh, and, it, it, and part of that can be kind of brought to the progressive nature of the songs. But uh, it, again, you can scream all you want about how Lars's drum tone sounds and his choice of fills and the way that he plays around a beat. I know that there was a a point in time live where Dave Lombardo, who's talked about on the last podcast Mm -hmm. with Josh, one of the great metal drummers of all time, uh, Lombardo took over for drums and people would say, that's the way Metallica should sound. I'm going to play it the way that it should be played. But you know what? Fucking Metallica is not Metallica without Lars and without his idiosyncratic, very unique way to look at drums. And nowhere did I ever think of drums as a solo instrument. At least for me, and some people may have had a different experience, but until Injustice for All. To this day, I hear those drums, and they, they are very flat, and they are very dead. But where they hit and what they do is so instrumental to each of the songs. And my first exposure to that was on Blackened. And I think to this day, that's part of what makes that song my favorite from the album. It was my introduction to everything that Metallica really was. Even though I had heard Metallica before,
1: yeah, I think I mean specifically on Blackened, I think the, um, I I I don't know what you want to call it when you first the I guess I guess it's the the extended intro we'll call it when you first start hearing the the guitar riff and then he just comes in with the snare hits the next time through, yeah, it almost sounds synthetic like it, it the the way they're produced it almost sounds fake, but. But again, I mean, this this plays into the unique sound of the album, um, and it it wouldn't be, I don't think it would be the same if they sounded, you know, like like what we would consider normal uh, snare to sound. Also, you know, I I have many I have many issues with with lars uh, as a as a drummer um I, you know not you know i'm, I'm totally playing armchair quarterback here <laughs> but um i have issues with lars as a drummer um and you know with his tone and stuff like that but if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize lars as a drummer this album seems like an odd hill to die on uh particularly when there's saint anger out there when there's lulu out there i mean like his drums don't sound um like the best here, but he has sounded far, far, far worse at <laughs> different well, here's their the discography.
0: interesting this. And and I, I am not a huge Lulu fan. Um I was alluding to earlier as in our technical difficulties, I am I'm not a Saint Anger apologist, but I if I were to make a playlist of some of my favorite Metallica songs Frantic and St. Anger, the songs, would be on my list. I love those songs. Uh, And I'm not a huge fan of his drum tone, but he specifically wanted that drum tone. So you could argue all you want as to his decisions, but at least they are very definitively his decisions. And Metallica has always been a band to me that could do whatever they want and give no fucks. I mean, they could have done what they did with um death magnetic and with hardwired self-destruct they could have done that at this time at the time of, of same anger they didn't want to and they decided to do this kind of for the most part shitty sounded like it was recorded in a garage tin can album of which two songs i love and adore but the rest i i don't uh those were very distinct choices that lars made uh in 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 respect to his drumming so you can hate it or you can not hate it but you can't fault the guy for fucking knowing what he wants to do and doing it and i think that that doesn't work as well on saint anger but it works like fucking gangbusters on injustice for all yeah well that actually raises raises an interesting
1: question because i know you know after this point um they you know they started working with bob rock and stuff and they worked with him up through St. Anger, in fact, and it it, I guess you started to get I, I, I think it actually probably started on this one with Fleming Rasmussen, too, where, you know, they had a producer credited on the album, but, you know, on and justice for all. Lars made the decision about his snare sounds. They, they generally, I mean, they, it was Lars and James that made the decisions about the bass tracks. Um, Lars made his decision going forward, working with Bob Rock on St. Anger about how he wanted his drums to sound. It almost, I mean, it raises the question, you know, I would, I would love to be, I would love to have been rather a fly on the wall in the studio. Um, you know, like, is a producer for them, is a producer a producer in name only? Like, are they really calling the shots or is metallica calling the shots um they later they worked with rick rubin who is kind of pretty widely criticized for being that kind of producer just like a presence like a figurehead there that um you know a lot of people say
0: doesn't actually do all that much in the studio so yeah well you can go on youtube and you can watch the making of death magnetic dude's fucking sitting on a couch most of the time right it was uh and if I mess up his name, I apologize. Brian Friedman, who eventually was the producer for Hardwired to Self Destruct. He did most of the boards and the stuff for Death Magnetic. So if, if you like Death Magnetic, I don't know that you like it for Rick Rubin, I think you like it for Brian Friedman who then went and did Hardwired to Self Destruct, which I fucking yeah. love. So
1: Yeah. But I just I'd lo- I'd love to see I'd love to see like Metallica fighting with a producer about something and and you know how how that kind of thing plays out like 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 how that that you know if there's if there's ever a a tension when it comes to deciding what what you know what a particular tidbit of an album is going to sound like you know like how that that power balance plays out in the studio played out um
0: yeah, it, it's an interesting argument to kind of fathom, right? So, I, I mean, you, I think we have to assume Metallica are fairly unfettered. If they want a, a decision, that decision's going to go through, right? They're right. Metallica. Uh, you know, what would it be like if they had a system of checks and balances? Not like Bob Rock, who, to me, I I love the Black Album. Uh, I do not like Load or Reload really at all. Uh, it seems like they got to a point where they just kind of merged into a hit machine that personally didn't work for me but again if that's what metallica wanted to do i don't fault them for their decision just didn't work for me uh but it would be interesting to see how they would work with a producer who definitely had a point of view and is willing to fight for that point of view but work with the band to achieve what they want to do i don't know that they've ever found that i don't know that they Will ever get there? Um, it's an interesting hypothetical to consider. Well, who though, would you? Certainly. I mean,
1: they, they, you know that that you know that yeah. raises another question. Who would you get that you know could could match them in stature? I mean, you would think you would think Rick Rubin would have enough clout to do that on his own, but that that's just not his way. You know, like who could they yeah. work with that could you know could sit there and, and um, fight back, so to speak, against against their immense. Um, just just pull and stature and
0: position. I don't know. Yeah, you, you know. Well, I I think a lot of people might choose towards some of the more modern producers that are you know very extreme metal, but that's not who Metallica no. is. You don't. Yeah. I, I I don't think that works in that instance. I can't. I I have no idea. Please uh, please don't anyone opt for a Ross oh, Robinson. <laughs> no I was (laughs) gonna say they could do we've already seen what he looks like they could
1: do like the (laughs) ACDC thing and uh, you know like a like a Brendan O'Brien or something like that or
0: Brendan O'Brien yeah I mean dude did wonders with yeah or like
1: um, what's his name who works with Allison Chains Nick Raskillin I think I forget how you pronounce that name but yeah I don't know I mean this is just all speculation at this point Um, but yeah so that's and justice for all um in reverse order and punctuated by <laughs> by two major internet fuck-ups um <laughs>
0: so yeah who knows how this is going to sound when it airs but we apologize profusely for the yeah, internet problems. No, i'll do my best i'll do my best what, what you are hearing
1: folks <laughs> at home is the best i could do <laughs> In the, in the editing room, (laughs) um, any, any final thoughts, any, any last, last bits you'd like to, uh, like to share about the album, about other, other things going on?
0: Uh, so specifically for the album, I mean, I love it. Just talking to you about it makes me want to just go and listen to it again. Uh, I know that Metallica is going through their kind of massive remastering deluxe editions, Um, I have the master puppets one. I know they just did the, uh, 598 EP kind of, they remastered it on vinyl and sent it out. I think for record store day, I've heard a lot of rumors that they may skip over and justice for all, just because of all the controversy around the base or not. Uh, I hope not. I, I would love to just kind of just get a full encompassing view of that album even if it's the mix that's that's there now one of the things that we didn't talk about and that metallica fucking excel at are their Mm -hmm. b-sides so i mean specifically during and justice for all i think it was the prince was a b-side i don't know if that was a b-side to one or if it was the b-side to i think i the beholder was a single at one point but uh the prince uh, Bread Fan, I think, came out during as a B-side during the Injustice era. Uh, I, uh, did Stone Cold Crazy come out as well? I don't know. But goddamn, just the Prince and Breadfan alone. I remember as a kid hearing that those things existed and just hunting them down to get copies and hearing what they sounded like. Uh, there is no one better than Metallica, to my mind, at choosing just great B-sides to kind of cover uh, during their during their, their album runs and Breadfan and the Prince are just two fucking killer yeah, songs
1: for that. Yeah. I um, the last I heard I thought that the I, I thought the remaster was uh, was a go. I th- I thought they were pretty set on it. Um, the Ooh, I did not the know that. Uh, I think the the issue was it didn't seem like they were gonna do a a remastered bass version. It seemed <laughs> like it was just gonna be uh, a reissue of, <laughs> of, of you know the 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 album produced as we as we know it, which. Um... I don't know, you know, like that. That's their, that's their prerogative, I guess. I would have loved to see, you know. I, I, think of like what the ocean did a few years back with Pelagial. Like they did the vocal mix and they did the instrumental mix, and they were two yes. different mixes. Like it would not be hard to, I mean, shit, you could tack on the price of an extra CD. You know, do a, <laughs> do a an as is version and a bass version, and then disc three could be the the B sides and the the live tracks. And goddamn, people would eat that shit up. So.
0: Yeah, but I wonder if going and, like, raising the base, is that a concession that, okay, we were wrong all this time, so we'll give it to you, so maybe that's the kind of, hey, we're not really going to do this. I'm, I don't I'm know if sure. it
1: necessarily even has to be a concession, though. I think this is a band that that is so, in so many ways, is all about, you know, just pleasing the fans. And, you know, they, they go, and, you know, over the the span of a tour, they'll pick you know five songs or five or six songs that are played in every show but then they'll mix up the set list completely beyond that Um, they will use Spotify data to figure out what songs are popular locally and, and you know set up their their set lists accordingly you know depending on which region um just just cry, just, just fan service stuff like that um this to me yeah. would be the ultimate fan servicey move you know whether they you know admit right or wrong on it the fans want to hear a bass version they want they want to you know and not just on youtube they want to they want to have a physical you know tangible bass base enhanced version of the album um so it, it just, it seems like it'd be good business. I mean, I, I feel like people would eat that shit up. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but, um, so <laughs>
0: at, at any rate, at any rate, that's it's all for it. Uh,
1: cause they're not doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the remaster, whatever, whatever, um, you know, form it takes the, the remaster and the reissue is happening. So
0: looking forward to it then. Yes.
1: Yes. Very much so. Um, Anything else? Anything else coming down the pipeline for you? For musically? For Nine Circlesly? Um, <laughs> any
0: anything else? What, what, what do you got going on, bud? Oh man, musically for me. So the uh, for those that don't know, I am also a one-man kind of black metal band called Necrolytic Goat Converter. Have a couple of things coming out so soonish. I just posted this on Facebook. Soonish, I have a single coming out uh for a charity compilation that a buddy of mine is putting together so there, I, there's a new ch- new necolitical converter song called pride that will be out it's a uh, two and a half minute kind of grind metalcore onslaught in the kind of vein of like early terrorizer and repulsion that was a lot of fun to do october there will be a split with uh my buddy john from domestic qualm we did one a year or so ago we're gonna yep. do part two uh coming out in november so that'll be uh another new song and then a a cover which is traditionally how we do it and then uh, album number two spring of 2019 it's going to be very different so uh that's what i've got going on on the music front nine circles front i don't know i'm supposed to be reviewing something this week god for the life of me i don't remember what it is but i promise i will look at it and get it done on time (laughs) for publication or josh will kill me (laughs) (laughs) all right <laughs> where do
1: we where do we stand on your uh, on your i hate god uh your unholy divers how's how's that coming we,
0: along? we we have started we have okay. actually started uh i am mixing that between i am doing uh, so th- this week there is going to be a uh, fairly cool review about a band who actually put out two albums this month Uh, that i want to talk about specifically as it relates to the albums and as it relates to me as a musician so i've been working on that actually for about two weeks i'm hoping that's going to get out this week and then after that we are right back into the grind for i hate god which uh spoiler is a band i really know nothing about which is why i have been challenged to do an unholy divers for it
1: awesome awesome
0: well i am what about you sir i know you just released something
1: uh yeah so musically i i dropped a new built-on neon track um Uh, It's called Solar. It's available on Bandcamp. Um, And a little bit more cinematic than uh, the stuff I've done before, but I'm kind of... I was listening to a lot of the... uh, um kyle dixon michael stein kyle stein michael dixon i don't know what combination of their names is the actual one but the guys from survive Survive, that did the stranger things soundtrack yeah i was listening to a lot of their stuff and uh you know just got in this kind of more cinematic synthwave vein um am going to have a second album out at some point uh It may not be till the new year. Um, I have no idea what my, you know, I'm getting into my final semester of nursing school. And uh, that's the bulk of it is uh, we are going to be following a nurse's schedule. Um, And that may include 12-hour shifts. That may include weekend shifts. I have no idea what form it's going to take at this point. So I got to kind of wait and see before I commit to um,
0: hard dates for... (laughs) for synth wave things um but speaking of synth wave though we should probably mention that your single coincides with something new on the site as well
1: right? yes yes uh this past weekend uh we started a new series i, I kicked off with uh it's, it's called retrocution um focused on on retro synth sound synth wave retro wave dream wave whatever the hell you want to call it any of those subgenres. um just because just that is, you know, there is overlap between the metal world and the synth world, and there's... Um i certainly have interest i know you have interest there's a lot of interest on our team and you know and metal fans yeah. on our audience in general so um we're going to be covering some of that stuff from here on out uh we talked yeah. about a, a great new album from duet um cycles the th- their, their third full length uh which was uh, a great listen and um i was actually i'm i it may not be this week um it may be next week. Uh, so you folks at home, you may have read this by now, or you may not be reading it until next week. I want to do a nine circles of, uh, my, my sort of journey to, uh, discovering Synthwave and becoming a Synthwave fan. And, you know, as well as a uh, producer, um, just some stuff that kind of got me on that path over the years. Um, thought that could be fun. And I like doing the nine circles of things and the sort of fun, non hard review content. <laughs> on the site yeah, definitely so um yeah so keep an eye out for that retrocution at any rate is is our new series that's going to be uh um that's going to be fun so
0: yeah and we already got uh, some requests to cover dark ambient and dungeon synth so maybe that'll be coming in the column Which, as well at some point <laughs> we'll see i i don't
1: i i i certainly have interest in dark ambient and dungeon synth um i i, I don't know if that's quite the same vein but uh We'll see. We'll see where this takes us. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so uh, that's, that's, that's what I got going on. So uh, yeah. Um, Well, Chris, it has always has been a, uh, has been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, your, you know, taking your time on late on a Sunday night with work right around the corner the next morning after family time to, uh, (laughs) to discuss and justice for all. And, and, uh, and you know ramble on about other nonsense things
0: (laughs) this was the perfect reprieve between family and work so i appreciate you having me on and always a pleasure to talk to you sir
1: all Folks at home, you know the drill. Uh, www.ninecircles.co is the website. Facebook.com slash Nine Circles blog. Twitter and Instagram at underscore Nine Circles. You can subscribe to the Nine Circles audio thing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, pretty much any podcast library you want to uh you can find us on um so like rate review subscribe anything you can do to help us out there we greatly appreciate and of course if you want to reach us by email nine circles at gmail.com Thank you all so much for listening, Chris. Thank you again for uh, coming out and then, uh, well, coming out—that's not the right word for <laughs> for joining me <laughs> this evening. Um, and uh, yeah, we will uh, hopefully see you again, you folks, again soon with uh, future editions of the Nine Circles audio thing. Take Indeed. care.
0: Indeed. Take care.